On Wednesday, July 27th at the Alamo Theater on Main Street, Bucksport, join us for an evening of entertainment featuring Maine Summertime Stories. Come hear great stories told by talented local storytellers reflecting on summer experiences in the great state of Maine. The show goes from 5.30 to 7, doors open at 5. A suggested donation of $10 per person will gladly be accepted at the door. Light refreshments will be provided for free. This entertaining and interesting event is being presented by WERU Community Radio, Bucks Ports Wednesday on Main, and Northeast Historic Film. That's Maine Summertime Stories, Wednesday, July 27th, 5.30, at the Alamo Theater in Bucksport. Come listen. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from the Penobscot Marine Museum in Searsport. More information at penobscotmarinemuseum.org. Support for WERU also comes from Front Street Shipyard, a Midcoast, Maine boat building, repair, and storage facility located in Belfast. Front Street Shipyard on Penobscot Bay, offering dockage, service, and amenities for owners, captains, and crew. Online at frontstreetshipyard.com or 930-3740. The time is 10 o'clock exactly, and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, usually at 99.9 in Bangor, although that signal is off the air right now for repairs. And we are streaming, as always, around the world at WERU.org. Coastal Conversations with your host, Natalie Springle, is up next. Good morning, and welcome to Coastal Conversations here on WERU. We explore issues facing Maine's coastal communities through dialogue with people who live, work, and play on our coast. From fisheries to tourism, from energy to environment, from economy to ecology, we go beyond the social media sound bites, probing deeply into complex issues and solutions. Coastal Conversations is produced with the help from the University of Maine Sea Grant Program, whose mission is to support Maine's coastal communities through research, outreach, and education. In partnership with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and the University of Maine, Maine Sea Grant brings marine science to Maine people. So we're about to engage in the heart and soul of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our coast and our communities. This is Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant, and I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour of Coastal Conversations. This morning, our show is about youth engaged in summer programs on the coast of Maine and how these programs are making a difference by taking kids outside and immersing them in meaningful experiences on the coast and on the ocean. We all know that there are lots of challenges and distractions that increasingly keep keep kids indoors and in front of screens, but my guests today are committed to helping combat that trend. And extra special today, we also have a couple of kids in the studio with us who can share their own experiences. So my guests today are Alex Brazili, who um, is with the Herring Gut Learning Center in Port Clyde. Hi, Alex. Hi, thanks for having us. Great. And we also have Lynn Alley from the Downeast Institute for Applied Marine Research and Education. Hi, Lynn. Good morning. Thanks for coming. And then we have brother and sister team um, from Beals Island. Hi, Musette. Hi. Good to have you. And hi, Mitch. Hi. 
Hi, Mitch. Um, great to have this group on the show today. Um, so we have the Down East Institute represented. We have um, Herring got represented, and we'll let these guys tell us all about their programs. And then we'll also, a little bit later in the show, have a recorded clip um, from a program for youth um, out on Hurricane Island in the middle of Penobscot Bay. So we'll hear from these three programs and folks involved in them. And I'm looking forward to our conversation. But before we jump in, I just wanted to mention that this show is the first in a three-part series on youth and young adults doing good work, good learning, and good play on the coast of Maine. So today we're talking about middle school and high school programs in the summer on the coast. Next month, we'll talk with college and graduate students doing marine-related research in Maine. And then in September, we'll talk with a few young adults who are emerging as the next generation of leaders in the fishing industry. Um, so today, um, let's circle back to the younger generation um, and the importance of helping them develop a connection with the coast of Maine. So let's hear a little bit about um, the programs that we have represented in the room. Um, Alex, so you're Alex Brazili. Am I saying that right? Yes, you are. Thanks. Great. Um, and you're from Herring Gut Learning Center. Tell us a little bit about Herring Gut and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. Um, so Herring Gut is a nonprofit marine science and aquaculture education center located in beautiful Port Clyde, Maine. We've been in existence since about 1999. We were founded by Phyllis Wyeth, who really saw a need in the community for enriching students' um, minds and connecting them with the coast and the marine environment and seeing the decline of many of the wild fisheries that were sustaining our community and an important part of our economy. She saw aquaculture as a way to um, open up these students' mind, minds about another potential source of income. And so we we do a lot of aquaculture education with the local schools, as well as marine science and ecology, so connecting them with the natural resources that are so abundant and such an important part of our communities. Great. Thanks. So it sounds like Herring Gut has, um, as part of its mission, helping train um, who are going to job opportunities for the future. Exactly. So we have a lot of the students that we work with are lobstermen or fishermen or aspire to be that when they get older. And we want to make sure that they have opportunities to continue that culture and that way of life. Um, but it may be in a little bit of a different way. So opening their eyes to other opportunities other than fishing um, and aquaculture as a way that could potentially supplement um, what they're already doing and what they already love using the same knowledge and resources that they have. Great. And what is what do your summer programs look like? So in the summer, we want to run several different types of programs. We have the summer camp, which we're going to be talking a little bit more about today, which is for students um, in grades first through seventh grade, divided into different age categories. Um, and so those are week-long programs designed to immerse students in the natural habitats that we have in Port Clyde and in the surrounding areas. So that's one summer program that we have, um, which is great. We have several talented interns that help us with that. I also run a first work experience program, which is designed for students aged 13 to 15, which gives them a job opportunity in the summer to run our aquaponics system that we have on campus. So in addition to helping maintain that facility, they also gain job skills and knowledge about how to show up, have a good work ethic, um, and they fill out an interview, they fill out an application and come in for an interview. So it's all of the, the steps that it takes to get a real job, which we're introducing at a young age so that they're prepared when they get older. 
And then we also have a saltwater series, which is for free um, afternoons or evening programs that is open to families and just celebrating the coast and celebrating um, what we have in our community. So this Sunday, I'm actually leading a nighttime beach walk from 8.30 to 9.30 p.m. at Drifton Beach, which is right in Port Clyde. So if anyone out there is listening from the area, make sure you stop by because it's really cool to see what comes out at night on the beach. Very cool. Um, Just to define a term, you talked about an aquaponics facility. Can you tell us what aquaponics are all about? Yeah, I would love to. So aquaponics is a mixture of aquaculture and hydroponics. So um, in our facility at Herringut, we have big fish tanks full of tilapia, which are freshwater fish. And the water from those fish tanks is full of really nutrient-rich water which is comes from the waste from the fish and so we actually pump the water from the fish tanks out into a greenhouse where it runs over the roots of the plants and we're fertilizing plants in our greenhouse just off of fish water we're not using any soil at all and the plants clean the water um, by taking out all the nutrients and send the clean water back into the fish tanks and we're able to produce lettuce and got cucumbers and tomatoes and other veggies growing out there that the students during the summer sell at a farm stand farmers market. Cool. Cool. Great. Thanks. Um, And Lynn, can you tell us a little bit about um, the Down East Institute? Uh, The Down East Institute has been in its present location for um, about uh, 20 years, and we are committed to uh, research, uh, technology transfer, and education. Uh, And you're you're located on Beals Island. We are located on actually Great Wass Island, which is part of the town of Beals. Little Wass Island and Great Wass Island together make up the town of Beals. Okay, great. So we are located on Great Wass Island. Great. And um, what kind of research happens at the Down East Institute? Um, We do research um, mainly with um, bivalves, Uh, began before we were in our present location and before we were officially the Down East Institute began with soft shell clams, um, um, mainly through the efforts of Dr. Brian Beal, who is also a native of the area, um, and um, have expanded over the years, um, still do soft shell clams, but also do um, mussels, scallops, oysters, done a little bit with lobsters, razor clams, arctic surf clams. Great. And tell us a little bit about your summer programs. Our summer programs have um, been occurring, I think this is our fifth year. Um, We have, we began our first summer with just three students and we have grown to 55 students. Uh, More than half of those are repeat campers. We now have three uh, age groups. We have uh, three-day day camps for high schoolers and then um, a three-day camp for fourth through eighth graders, and we have a two-day camp for kindergarten through third graders. Great. Great. And we are super lucky today because we have in the studio a couple of your campers, um, and I just wanted to say thanks for coming to both Mitch and Musette. I'm saying your name right, right? Yeah. 
Yes. Okay, great. Um, because it's really fun for us and I think useful for our listeners to hear directly from youth um, about your experiences on the coast. So um, I would love to have um, Mitch, maybe let's start with you. I know that you have been going to the summer program at the Down East Institute since the beginning is what I heard you say before we started. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience there. What's it like? What do you do? Um, well, we go onto the shore a lot. We go onto the shore a lot. Uh, what do you do when you're at the shore? Well, we just find a bunch of animals and stuff, and to like what kind of animals? Marine animals, uh-huh. like uh, crabs. Uh, well, let this. Yeah, we found a bunch of squid. Uh, cool. There's a bunch of things we find down there. Um, so you found squid. That's pretty awesome. You found mm-hmm. squid at the shore. I know that I have never found squid on in a tide pool, and I ti- I love tide pooling, and taking my kid out tide pooling, <clears throat> and we've never found squid. So describe the squid. What did it feel like? What did it look like for someone who's never seen one? Uh, I don't know. I'm not very good at describing things, but uh I I see your your sister Musette saying she she's kind of wanting to describe. Do you want to describe what a squid is like, Musette? Sure. Um the a squid is kind of a long figure and at the top of it it has kind of like little triangular fins that come off the head. There's eight little tentacles on the ones we caught. On some of them, there's long tentacles that come, two long tentacles that have little, like, teardrop figures at the end of them that have suction cups on it, like all, all the other, um, all the other tentacles have, and, uh, they, uh, in the middle of all the tentacles, there's a beak, and... Whoa. A beak, kind of like a bird beak, right? Yeah. And the beak is kind of clear at at the top of it. Then toward towards the point, it it's black. And that's what they use to eat with. Yes. Cool. So describe where what what is it like where you found the squid and how many did you find? Well, we found fourteen squid. Whoa. <laughs> um, two of them died before we got back. With the rest of them, uh-huh. so we had a total of twelve, but they didn't last long. Before the um, when the camps that are coming up, the rest of them died. Oh, that's too bad. Because they didn't really have much food. Were I, they in the tide pool? They were in the tide pool. They had plenty of food in the tide pool, but they, we didn't get them much food bef- when they were in the tanks. So um, they kind of died. But they eat mysid shrimp, which look like really small seahorses, but they're a kind of shrimp. They also eat rock tunnels, which are which are um, little eels. And uh, we found them in a, the biggest tide pool. And the, that tide pool leads out to the open ocean. So they were towards the opening of it. We caught them by hand and they, we caught quite a few small ones and three big ones. 
So um, the small ones don't dart that far. When they get scared, they don't dart far. Probably a total of five feet, and they try to find somewhere to hide. And um, the big ones can seems like they darted like 10, 15 feet. So it was really wow. hard to find them. Wow. How big are they? They were about probably five, six inches. Cool. The small one, the smallest one that we caught would probably be about uh, two, three inches. Uh, pro- well, my brother had just said that they're probably actually a little over an inch, the smallest one. So. Cool. So the so for our listeners, the really fun thing about having a brother sister team in the studio um, is that you get to see all their facial expressions when they disagree with each other. It's great. I wish you guys could see the facial expressions. So Mitch did a, a pretty nice facial expression when he heard um, Musette um, describe rock gunnels. So Mitch, why don't you describe rock gunnels how how you would describe them to us? They're not exact. They look like eels, but they're not exactly eels. They're more. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they're like a fish instead of an eel. But usually, when you're lobster fishing and stuff, you'll see them fall out of your bait pocket onto the side side of your boat. Cool. So you guys are um, you lobster fish, and your um, family lobster fishes, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your lobster fishing operation, Mitch. Um. Do you, have a, do you have your own boat? Do yeah. you have your own traps? I got my own boat, and I got 50 traps. Uh, I mean 150 traps. My sister's got 50. Great. Great. Mm. And um, how often in a week do you go out? Um, it's like every five nights we usually uh-huh. go. So. Great. And uh, do you ever find stuff in your lobster trap? that's sort of interesting or surprising? Um, I've gotten used to most of the things we find Uh in the trap, but we find stuff like sea urchins, uh, crabs, obviously lobsters, um, Uh sometimes other fish like sculpins or sea ravens. or. It's like a little surprise every time you haul up your trap. Yeah. So you are someone who obviously spends a whole lot of time on the ocean. Um, what makes you want to go back to the camp and the summer program at DEI every summer, at the Down East Institute every summer? <laughs> I just enjoy going. It's really fun for me to go there. Uh, I just have a real big interest in everything we do there. That's great. How about you, Musette? Um. I really like DEI. I like going back there because we find new things every year. We don't we find repeats, but we do find new things. And when we find new species or any species, we bring them back to the classroom that we are in, and we find out the scientific name of them. And um, we write them down in a notebook so we can take, at the end of the camp, we can take the notebook home and have the scientific names and all that. Um, one of the things that Mitch didn't mention that we find in our traps, it sometimes is sea cucumbers. Uh-huh. And that is, my, their sci- scientific name is one of my favorites. It's Cucumaria frondosa. Cucumaria frondosa? Yes. That's a good name. Um, 
So that's my favorite. And other things that we find in the traps, you know how he said the lobster, that one is Amer- Humerus Americanus. Oh, great. Homaris Americanus. No. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> it's Homerus Americanus. <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. So one one other question for you, uh, Musette. So um, tell me how um, the marine camp at Down East Institute, and for listeners, we're referring, you're hearing us say DEI, which stands for the Down East Institute, which is the program over um, in the Beals region. Um, tell us how your camp is similar or different to school. Well, it's... Similar to school because you are still learning things, and every now and then we will be doing math in it. So in during camp, yes. What kind of camp. math? What are, you, what are you doing for math? Well, it's we to find like the average age of seaweed. We like get all the ages and lengths and stuff that we collected down at the beach that everybody, every team collected, and we added up. Then I we divide it by how many numbers, how many sets of numbers we have. Then we find out the average age that way. Neat. Then um, during the camp this year, we did um, we had made this little smoothie thing for lobsters that we froze, and that we tried to make them exactly the same. So they had to weigh them. Great. So, Yeah, so you're using some skills at camp that you may have learned at school, but you're really applying them to real-world things. Yeah. That's cool. That's very cool. Um, Alex from um, Herring Gut Learning Center in Port Clyde. Um, So, unfortunately, we don't have any of your campers in the studio, but um, what, what what are the experiences that your campers are having, either similar or different to what we just heard from Mitch and Musette? Yeah, very similar to Mitch and Musette. They go out, they explore the coast. We have several different habitats that they visit from rocky beaches, sandy beaches, marshes, mud flats, and they even get to go on a trip out to a private island, which is about a 20-minute boat ride off of the coast. So they get to explore sort of a variety of different habitats and compare the different um, animals, marine life, and seaweed species that they find between them. And Musette brought up a great point when she mentioned um, the different things that they find in tide pools that change from year to year and that's one of the really exciting things about working with kids and having summer camps is that it gives us a way to sort of monitor the coast so you guys are doing really important work as you're going out and you're finding sea cucumbers and squid and you're documenting what you find each year because that's important for us as educators and people that monitor the coast to know what's out there so for example during the school year we collaborate um, with public school teachers and provide them with hands-on experiences taking their students out to the coast to help supplement their curriculum and enhance what they're doing and we did an invasive species project with a group of fifth graders and we took the students out to a couple of different field sites to explore the coast and we found Asian shore crabs which in all of my time in Tive Bennett herring gut for six years now um I think I found maybe one or two Asian shore crabs in my whole time there. And this past year, we found probably a half a dozen at each field site we went to. So, um, the Asian shore crab is an invasive it is, crab, right? It is an invasive crab um, that's sort of making its way up the coast of Maine. Um, it, but 
we hadn't seen it much in Port Clyde up until this past year. So the students that we were working with made sort of wanted dead or alive posters about the Asian shore crabs and put up posters around town to inform the community about what they were doing. So in our school year programs and our summer camp programs, these kids are going out there and they're on the front lines of seeing, seeing what's happening to our coast and the changes that happen. Great. Great. Um, If you are just tuning in, you're listening to Coastal Conversations here on WERU Community Radio at 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and online at WERU.org. Our topic today is um, youth who are engaged in really interesting programs that focus on the coast and Maine's incredible marine ecosystem. I I want to, at some point, get into the conversation about the importance of getting kids outside and hear what our guests think about that. But before we go there, um, we also had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time out on Hurricane Island um, at the mouth of Penobscot Bay over near Vinyl Haven um, and hear a little bit about what the folks at the Hurricane Island Center for Science and Leadership are doing in general and specific related to youth programs and their camps that they have out there this summer. So we'll hear about a 14-minute story um, from Hurricane Island, and then we'll come back to our guests here in the studio. I'm sitting on a granite boulder on Hurricane Island at the mouth of Penobscot Bay. You may be familiar with Hurricane Island as the former Outward Bound base, or you may know of Hurricane Island's rich history as a granite quarrying town when a sizable number of people called this island home. There are remnants of both eras here, foundations of old houses, a ropes course for outdoor training. But since 2009, the Hurricane Island Center for Science and Leadership has conducted research and education on the island. I'm here during an island ecology camp week. And right now, a couple of 12-year-olds are spidering their way up a sizable rock face while two of their peers support them with a rope. So, um, you just came down off of that amazing rock wall. Tell me about that. That is a really cool rock wall, and I love it. And it's really fun, and it's a really good trust exercise because you have to trust the people that are um, controlling the ropes. So That was Audrey. I asked Audrey and some of her friends what they liked about their Hurricane Island experience and if it was different than life at home. Another camper, who happened to also be named Audrey, had this to say. Yeah, it's calmer, quieter, um, but at home, I'd be really lazy. But here, we're constantly doing things. Every day, uh, right before dinner, we do this thing called sit spots, where we go to like some beautiful place like a beach or like up on a hill looking out over the ocean, and we sit quiet for 30 minutes and we like write about our day or like write about what's around us or just sit and think and it's really nice and quiet. That sounds great. Do you think you might try to do that in your life at home? Yeah. Yeah. For Aiden, it's the island's past that particularly seems to captivate him. Um, it's really open. Like, and there's a lot of history here which just makes it cool, walking through the woods and just seeing old pieces of equipment, just thinking, like, people just packed it up and left. It's just really cool. Yeah. Is it pretty different than where you live? Definitely. We live in um, China, and that's pretty flat, and it's nothing like this. Like, 
You don't see any of the, like, historical stuff. Another kid, Oliver, gets to delve into his passion as a budding scientist. I've also been enjoying looking at stuff under the microscope. Um, I'm actually going to be doing that for the museum. There's going to be, like, a part of it about that. What museum? At the end of the week, we're doing a museum of a bunch of art projects that we did, like uh, seaweed pressing and something called a cyanoprint. Uh, we don't know what that is yet, but we will do that. We're doing that today. So. And tell me about doing using a microscope. Like a bunch of plants, like pine needles, uh, some a lot of like lichen and algae and stuff. Do they the different things look pretty different yeah. from each other? Yeah. The pine needles had little like white dots on them, sort of, and a lot of the other stuff had like um you could see little almost like hairs on the roots and stuff neat so yeah neat the observational skills that oliver is clearly developing are at the heart of what the staff here at hurricane island are trying to develop i turned to the program's director of education dr jennifer page who explained that the focus of hurricane island is less camp in the traditional sense of the term and more about providing learning opportunities for kids so we end up actually not even consider like we are a camp, but we tend not to end up using that word because uh-huh. when you talk about camps, um, it get, gives kind of this impression of an experience where the kids are coming, they're just going to have a good time, there may be this like a variety of activities they can choose from, and we really do operate much more like a school program um, where the kids are coming in. Uh, and they, there is some theme for the week, some science theme that all of the activities are relating to, and they still have other times during the day where they go out and go rock climbing or go boating, but um, all of the other parts of the program relate to a central theme. All of our um, programs we are developing lesson plans for and making them available to teachers online, um, and all of them are being related back to Common Core State Standards and Next Generation Science Standards. Um, And part of the goal at the end of the summer is we're applying to get state approval to be a private school. Um, And the goal wouldn't necessarily be to have us have a semester program where we have kids here all the time, but that we get our programs recognized as being able to um, give students credit. So if like a high school student needed to recover credits in order to graduate, that they would be able to come here and do one of our programs and get some of that recovery, or they could advance their studies by coming and doing a program that accelerates them beyond where they're already at at their school. So very, very much more academically oriented than we are um, kind of the traditional camp model, Mm -hmm. I guess. So learning in the outdoors on an island can be pretty academic in focus, as we just heard. But then, is it different than school? Bodhi, one of the campers, seems to think so. Much. It's uh, school, you are in like a classroom, this is, you're learning a lot, but you're outdoors in the natural world. It's different types of learning, always positive learning, nothing negative. I decided to take a look at what Bodhi was talking about, and even the lab space, which is indoors, feels like you're learning outside. 
We are in a, a space here mm-hmm. with lots of windows overlooking Penobscot Bay um, over towards Greens Island mm-hmm. and Vinyl Haven. Um, and I'm looking on the tables and I'm seeing all kinds of microscopes. I'm seeing um, charts on the wall that identify the species that we might be seeing out the window. What happens in this space? Um, so this is our lab, and it's not a very big space. So, it, I mean, it could comfortably seat like 9 to 12 kids around the table, um, and then we've got room along the, the sides for kind of lab bench work. Um, but this is really kind of the heart of a lot of our open enrollment programs and a lot of the programs we do with school groups as well. Uh, it's where we have all of our equipment stored, and so it serves not only as a place where students come and actually start the scientific process of them actually thinking through problems and trying to figure out how to analyze their data once they have data, um, but also as the field base where they organize here and then go out into the field and then bring specimens back or bring their data back. Um, and it's it's nice because it is around a central table that a lot of good discussions happen here. Um, a lot of schools have are heading towards kind of, it's called the Harkness model, where there really is a big central table that students will have the, a discussion around um, that really is student-driven. And that's one of the things that we try and do is get the students so that they are the ones driving the discussions, they're the ones asking the questions. And so this is this is really where where it starts, where it ends, where it continues. It's it's kind of the heart of a lot of the programs that we, that we have. Um, and just like you said, with all the things that are around the room, Kids normally, when they when they see a skeleton or something like that, or like there there are specimens, it's a it's a don't touch type of scenario. It's a look but don't touch. And so, really, what we're doing is all the stuff that we have around here is stuff that we found on the island, and that we want kids to engage with. Um, and so, them going over and picking up the deer skull, or um, actually getting in and looking at the bugs, or picking up we've got mushroom buoys, so buoys that are biodegradable, um, made out of mushroom mycelium. So getting the kids so that they feel ownership over a space like this and get really comfortable in it. So it's not a sterile space. It's a an, an active and a comfortable space for them to be in. What kind of data are the kids collecting? Uh, everything from, we have our own field monitoring station. So some things that we're doing on a regular basis. Um, there's some things as simple as counting the number of lobster buoys in a certain area every day to look at fishery traffic essentially over the course of the season. Um, during low tide, counting the number of seals out on the ledges and looking at, at those data over time. Also the water quality monitoring um, and phytoplankton monitoring um, so that they can help with kind of the research efforts that we're doing. In terms of the data that the students are collecting on their own, they come up with their own studies. So we've had kids that are coming up with their own intertidal studies. Last week our middle school marine ecology wanted to know how different kinds of seaweed um, affect what organisms you find in that area. Um, so they were essentially doing a biodiversity study, and they had come up with that idea themselves. They wanted to know what what kind of organisms are protected by seaweeds, and that was part of the language that they were using. So they were learning about quadrats. They were going out. They were collecting their own data, coming back, compiling data across different kids from different areas and talking about the sources of error that they had of why there were some things that maybe they couldn't say for sure they had they had recorded properly or counted properly, but that this this study was still valid. It was still giving us a baseline of something to go off of, even if you were asking another question, and we still learned something from it. So 
them recognizing that you can still go through and, and be a scientist, even if you're not publishing data or having this really clean study, you still are, are asking questions about the world and coming up with your own way of answering them. I started wondering how programs like this one at Hurricane Island evaluate how successful they are in helping kids connect with science and the outdoors. The students themselves clearly love their time here, but what lessons stick? I turned again to Dr. Page, the Director of Education. Um, We are instituting um, a new evaluation protocol, Um, so it's called the Dimensions of Success, and it was developed by a group at Harvard, um, and they are looking at 12 different dimensions across four domains of trying to evaluate STEM out-of-school activities. And STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. Correct, yep. And so their, their goal was to create a robust tool that could actually measure how effective these STEM programs were. Uh, and so because it's looking at everything across 12 different dimensions, only one of them is content. And so it's not as concerned with just, are you getting information across? It's looking at how well are things organized and how well are kids being moved through towards a purposeful end and what are the relationships you're building with students and how much voice do they have in what they're, in what they're doing and how, much, how relevant is it to their life. As the kids took turns climbing and belaying each other up the big rock face by the old quarry, I had a minute to catch up with Phoebe Jekilek, who is the Director of Marketing and Outreach at the Hurricane Island Center for Science and Leadership. I figured sending a kid to a program like this one couldn't be very cheap. Tell me a little bit about the demographics of the kids that you have coming through here. Um, That's interesting. So a big part of our mission is to serve Maine students. Um, So we do have a lot of Maine students, but as we we grow and, you know, as we've been around a little bit longer, um, our reach is expanding. Um, And, you know, we get students from all over, from all walks of life, uh, you know, about 80 to 85 percent of our students do receive financial aid in some form or another. Um, and, you know, that's really important to us because everyone should have the chance to experience nature the way that it is out here and to learn the way that we learn out here. And um, for listeners who might be teachers who want to bring groups out um, or even families who might want to send their kids, how can what do people do to yep. get um, the ball rolling? So first thing you can do is go to hurricaneisland.net. That's our website. Um, and that has all the information about all the different programs that we offer, both in the summer and in school programs. Um, if you are interested in any program whatsoever and you don't feel like going to the website and you know looking around too much and you want to go directly to the source, you can send an email to programs at hurricaneisland.net. And I will get that email, and I will help you either sign your student up for a program or figure out how to get you and your students out to Hurricane Island. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Coastal Conversations on Community Radio, WERU-FM 89.9 in Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor and online at WERU.org. The program is Coastal Conversations, and um, this particular show is about um, youth engaging um, on the coast of Maine in the summertime in programs where they get the opportunity to not only get muddy and wet, but to learn a little bit about our marine ecology here. 
Um, you just heard a short story about um, programs happening out on Hurricane Island at the mouth of Penobscot Bay. Um, here in the studio with us today, we have two additional programs represented um, with our live guests here. We have Lynn Alley, um, who's on the board of the Down East Institute for Applied Marine Research, and two of her campers, brother-sister team Musette and Mitch, um, who have been sharing some of their stories in the first part of the show. And then we also have Alex Brazili from the Herring Gut Learning Center in Port Clyde. Um, I want to turn a little bit to Lynn. Um, we just listened to a little bit about what happens out on Hurricane Island, and I know you guys have similarities and differences in your programs. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, knowing that the Down East Institute, where you guys have your summer camp um, in marine ecology, is also um, a pretty important research environment. Um, tell us a little bit about the connection about getting kids connected to science. How do you go about doing that? Um, when the summer camps occur, <coughs> whatever uh, current research is happening at DEI, we try to include that in the summer camp in some way. Um, we've had students with their own little uh, collection of juvenile clams, uh, growing them in small, very small uh, containers and letting them experiment a little bit with the kind of algae that they might use. Um, uh, Musette is actually in elementary school on Beals, and we were very excited that not only is she part of our summer camp, as are some of her uh, schoolmates, but this past year the Beals elementary school students came to uh, the Down East Institute every Wednesday. Um, they, you know, with consecutive bus trips through the course of the day, each classroom of two grades uh, spent, I'm going to guess, about an hour at the, at the hatchery and had some ongoing projects that I'm guessing she could probably tell you about. That sounds great. Musette, tell us a little bit about that experience, doing um, science. We, when we went there... Uh, the th clam experiment she was talking about, uh, everybody in the whole school did it. We took these little dishes that had handles. They weren't really dishes, they were little tubs. We put dirt in them. You got to choose what kind of dirt you wanted to use. Um, you could choose gravel, like driveway gravel, um, red rocks, uh, sand that you found on the beach. Or you could do a control group, which had a kind of, like, really thick sand that felt like clay. And um, where I've been in DEI a lot more than everybody else in my class, um, I did a control group. And I, didn't, I wanted to do something that nobody else was doing. So I used that control sand, and um, I, I, instead of doing ten little, ten clams, like everybody else was doing, I did 30. Cool. And um, so far that I know of, nobody's died. A couple of them might have. But none of my 30 have died, and I don't think anybody in my classrooms have died, any of the 10 they have. And um, we every now and then when there was a good day, we would go down to the beach, down to the, down to the rocky shore. And, but we didn't do it that often. Um, cause there wasn't really that many good days or 
there wasn't a time really when the tide was down enough for us to go down because the fifth and sixth grade went there at uh, 10 to 11. And, and you're in what grade? I'm going to be going into seventh. Okay. Um, so it was really fun. It sounds really fun. So you got to do this during the school year, and then now in the summer as part of your camp, have you been able to check in on your little clams? Well, I haven't. I didn't but because we had so many other things to do. But um, every now and then, Ms. Haskell would clean the tanks like we did in the class, and um, she fed them all. Um, so... So you've been able to hear that your clams are still growing. Yeah. That's very cool. Neat. And I had some, like, really small ones. They're, the length was, pro was probably about either a centimeter to half a centimeter. And Ms. Haskell said that those ones have grown a really good amount, and they're probably about a centimeter to a centimeter and a half now. Great. Um, we have time for a couple of calls if anybody has any questions for any of our guests in the studio or comments about your own experiences um, learning on the coast of Maine as a youth, or maybe you are a youth yourself and want to check in with Musette and Mitch. Um, and our um, phone number here is 469-0500, um, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, so, Alex... Um, tell us a little bit about um, how, for you guys, the connection between the programs that you're doing um, connect to science as well. Well, I think all of the organizations that are represented here really have a commitment to authentic science inquiry and instruction. So instead of uh, telling the kids about what they should be learning or them reading it in a book, we're actually taking them outside and showing them it. And I think you could obviously hear Musette's enthusiasm for her clam project. And that's the sort of learning that we try to encourage at Hearing Gut is getting the kids outside, getting them muddy, getting them dirty, and giving them that connection because it sticks with them more than just reading about it in a book. For sure, for sure. And um, why is it so important to get kids outside, especially, I mean, in this day and age, we hear a lot about, for example, nature deficit disorder, you know, issues related to the um, decreasing amount of time that the average youth in our country spends outside. What does that do to us as a society? And why do you guys think, why are you so committed to these programs to bring kids outside? Who wants to go first? Great, Lynn. So this is Lynn from the Down East Institute. Um, I think... Uh, Kids confining themselves to inside electronics, especially, uh, even though some of those devices and games can be creative and educational, I think the kind of creative play that can occur in the out of doors is very different, and it also involves exercise, fresh air, and can also lead to an appreciation of the environment. Um, a recognition of the importance in taking care of your immediate environment as well as your planet. Um, I think historically in, in schools we've tended to teach students about ecology by studying the rainforest and that's, although that's, you know, interesting and important to understand, uh, I think it's probably more important and more um, relevant 
to kids in Maine and especially on the coast to learn those same principles of ecology and conservation through their own areas, which in many cases, certainly where we live, are especially tied to their very livelihood. Yeah, we have our own incredible spaces and laboratories for learning right here. Yeah. How about you, Alex? What about you guys at Herring Gut? Why is, it, why is the work so important and meaningful? Well, I have to agree with Lynn. You know, all of our students have some connection to the coast, whether by living here year-round or coming up to vacation. We have a lot of our summer campers that come up um, from year to year and end up taking a course with us at Herring Gut, participating in summer camp. But they're all connected to the coast. And so by teaching them science and ecology, that's connected to the context that they understand and know. We're helping to instill in them a stewardship of the environment. Like Lynn said, you only protect and love what you know. And so we're trying to do that with our students. And how do you, um, how do you sort of uh, decide what, what you're going, what programs you're going to do in terms of like curriculum or developing the ideas that you're going to share with the students. It sounded from Mitch and Musette's stories that a lot of it comes from what you might find out there on any given day and the serendipity of finding things on the coast, which is really cool. How do you turn that kind of thing into a teachable moment? That's one of the most exciting things about my job is that it changes from day to day and year to year. You never know what you're going to find in a tide pool or um, sort of what the current marine issue of the day is. And so we try to stay relevant and (coughs) and connect with current issues in Maine. We've um, been talking a lot with our students about invasive species, which changes from day to day what's in the area, um, and also about trends in aquaculture and new opportunities presented by aquaculture. So this past year, we grew kelp um, and did a pilot kelp project with our students growing seaweed, which is kind of the new trend in aquaculture that's presenting itself as an opportunity, as um, a way for people in the area to make a living. So we try to stay current with current events. And like I said, it's always, I'm always learning along with the students, which I think is exciting for them too, that I may not know all of the answers, but we're going to learn and figure them out together. That's great. When we were meeting, um, the four of us were getting together before the show started. I heard Alex asking Mitch and Musette something about identifying species of clams. And I thought, how cool that she's asking them um, what how, how to identify a clam. That was pretty fun. Um, yeah. So, Lynn, what do you think? Um, our uh, theme for our summer camps, in fact, is let's find out. And we follow... Um, Uh, sort of a research uh, model by coming up with (coughs) a question, having the kids come up with questions, develop their own hypothesis or hypotheses, and then we come up with a plan um, to collect data that will help us, uh, help them hopefully prove or disprove their hypothesis. And so that, that makes a connection between both the outdoors between, you know, the scientific method. Uh, As Musette mentioned earlier, there's usually some math involved. Great, great. And um, I'm going to turn to Musette and Mitch and ask you guys, um, it'd be be interesting to know who are the kids that attend these programs. So do you know all the kids? Are they all from your schools? Um, Are they from all over the place? Who are the kids that go to the summer program at the Down East Institute? Um, most of them do come from down, from Maine, 
but there are every now and then you will get people from out of state. Uh, there has been somebody from California. Uh, maybe. Maybe we. D- I'm not 100 percent sure. Then there is somebody from New York, and last she started last year, and she is now my friend. Um, That's great. So you're meeting, you're making new friends, and um, also spending time with friends that you've had for a while. Yeah. There, and I'm also, you can also meet people that are from down here that you haven't met yet. Uh-huh. Because there are people that go there that I haven't, in the middle one, that still live, that live in Be- Beals or Jonesport, and I haven't met. Because if they go to Jonesport school... I don't really know many people in Jonesport because they have, like, over 100 kids in there, and I don't know all of them. So So you get to meet new kids. Yeah. That's great. So are you in touch with your new friend from New York when you're not at camp together? Yeah. Or do you she, think you will be? She actually is down right now. She comes down during the summer because her grandmother lives down here. So Great. Very fun. And I also have her number and her mom's number, so. <laughs> That's great. So you're, you're forging some friendships. There's something about friendships that happen in the outdoors that's maybe a little bit different than friendships that happen in school. Yeah. Um, this isn't to do with, it is kind of, but um, they also have a camp. It's not a big one. It's, an, it's called Nature Connection. Uh-huh. But uh, they don't really have that many kids. It just started last year, so. Oh, great. Nature Connection. We'll have to look that up. It sounds like another interesting camp. And it is amazing. I think Musette brings up an interesting point that on the coast of Maine, we're really fortunate in that there's a lot of spaces that remain that this kind of program and nature discovery can happen. And there's a lot of programs out there. there so we're... We have Down East Institute. We have Herring Gut that are represented here. We heard from Hurricane Island. There's the Acadia Institute for Oceanography. Chowanki does all kinds of programs, of course. Coastal Studies for Girls. The list sort of goes on and on. Um, why do you guys think that is, that in Maine we have such a microcosm of this kind of educational opportunity? I think it's because our communities are so dependent on having a pristine and healthy coastline that it's important to instill that ethic in the next generation of students that are coming up. And so I think as educators, we're all committed to that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes, I would agree with that. Absolutely. That, you know, we need and we need to develop in our kids at a a younger age uh, this appreciation for their for their surroundings. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing in, um, so Lynn, you, I think you said that you've been with the Down East Institute, had some affiliation there for 20 years, I think you said. Um, what are you, and I know the, the camp itself is maybe a little bit younger, five or six years, something like that. Um, but but you have, you've had people of all ages sort of come through various Down East Institute programs and get connected to the coast through the Down East Institute. What are you seeing some of them doing as adults? Um, our our summer camp students, our very first summer camp student uh, was a high school student at the time, and he uh, he went on to study at Maine Maritime Academy and is presently a Marine. And, of course, I've mentioned uh, Mitch and another one of our campers, Evan, who happen to be classmates and friends. 
and who were in our first uh, camp and now are junior counselors in our younger camps, which is, which is really neat to see them still. Because generally when kids, often when kids get to the high school age, especially when they are able to drive, their sort of interests and focus change. Um, but these two young men are still both very interested in, in this program, and I find that very exciting. That's great. So, um, Mitch, tell us a little bit about the experience. It sounds like you started as a camper, but now you also um, spend time with campers who are younger than you. And so you're probably a, something of a, <clears throat> a mentor for them, somebody who helps them out. What's that like? Um, I just enjoy it. It's, it's fun to ha- both help out with the younger ones with doing that and also just fun to be at the camp, right? I enjoy everything they do there. It's a good space to be in. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, Lynn, uh, if anybody was interested in um, learning more about the Down East Institute, tell us how they might get in touch. On our website, downeastinstitute.org, there is, you know, it, there is a link specifically to education and specifically to the summer camps. There are also lessons that our education director has developed that teachers uh, are welcome to use. And do you have teacher programs as well? We do have teacher workshops um, from time to time. We've served um, over... I've been amazed at how many teachers in Washington <coughs> County have come to the Down East Institute. And what we, what we do in those workshops is have them participate in the same sort of activities uh, within the timeline we have. Generally, those are just uh, one-day workshops um, to get comfortable doing the same activities that they might do with their kids back in the classroom uh, because we have found, and in my experience as an um, educator of over 30 years, that teachers are much more comfortable doing something in their classroom if they've had a chance first to do it themselves. That's great. That's great. Thank you. And um, Alex from um, Herring Gut in Port Clyde, tell us a little bit how people might be able to find out more about your programs and maybe get involved. Sure. So you can visit our website, herringgut.org. We also have a visible Facebook presence that I update, try to update regularly. So um, if you just uh, Facebook search Herring Gut, you'll find us. Um, And feel free to email us or give us a call. We're always excited to talk to educators um, and parents about opportunities for their for their students or children. Great. Thank you so much. Well, amazingly, we've come to the end of our Coastal Conversation today about youth programs on the Maine Coast. Time went by really fast. Um, I just wanted to remind listeners that this was the first in the three-part series. Next month, we'll talk with college and graduate stu- students doing marine-related research in Maine. And then in September, we'll talk with a few young adults who are emerging as the next generation of leaders in the fishing industry. I'd especially like to thank our guests today in the studio. Um, I wanted to thank Lynn Alley from the Down East Institute for Applied Marine Research and her two students, um, campers. It was great to have you guys, Musette and Mitch from Beals Island. And I also wanted to thank um, Alex Brazili from Herringut in Port Clyde for your time and energy today. Um, Thanks so much for you guys coming out today. Um, The University of Maine Sea Grant staff also helped pull together this show. Um, Thanks to those who listened. And Coastal Conversations is produced with help from the Maine Sea Grant program at the University of Maine, bringing marine science to Maine people. Join us from 10 to 11 a.m. on the fourth Friday of each month. 
Our show's theme music, A Following Sea, was composed and performed by Paul Anderson. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program, and stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant, host of Coastal Conversations, wishing you a good morning. Good morning.